0: Who rules over you? Simply find out who you are not allowed to criticise. You are listening to ACH, I'm Andy, your host, and before we start today's show, I would like to thank James for his recent donation. If you are able to help keep the show on the air, please go to achshow.com and click the banner at the top of the website, or avail yourselves of one of the books on the right-hand side. Well, today is Thursday, so of course it's time for the weekly visit of my dear friend, Dr. Peter Hammond. So let's bring him up right now. Peter, are you with us?
1: I am. Thank you, Andrew.
0: Thank you so much, Peter. And today, of course, in America, it is Thanksgiving. And uh, we've got a show that we're going to cover a variety of issues in, including that, entitled The Real Story of Thanksgiving Despite Tribulation. So Peter, where would you like to start us off today with this
1: topic? Well, we certainly need to cultivate an attitude of gratitude. And uh, we have just this week, Monday, had the funeral service for my wife, Lenora, who fought Cancer 11 years and uh, entered eternity on the 9th of November, which is the day that the Berlin Wall fell. Very significant now, family because her father was dedicated to ministry to the persecuted church, especially in Eastern Europe, and he ministered all throughout Eastern Europe. My wife was going with Bill Bathman on Bible smuggling and ministry trips behind the Iron Curtain from the time she was four years old and around her dining room table. Uh, in Salzburg, Austria, where they grew up, uh, my wife would have the privilege of having many heroes of the faith like Richard and Sabina von Brandt, who wrote tortured for Christ, 14 years imprisoned and tortured in communist uh, prisons in, in uh, Romania, and uh, having Brother Andrew of God's Smuggler fame, uh, also regular friend, visitor to the home around dining room table, uh, George verve of Operation Mobilization, many others, and... When we think of of gratitude and an attitude of gratitude, thankfulness, despite tribulation, one person comes to mind in particular, and that's Nikolai Moldovanu. Now, Reverend Bill Beth, during one of our missions to Eastern Europe, introduced me to this extraordinary Christian hymn writer, Nicolai Moldovanu, who composed hundreds of hymns while being tortured by the communists in Romania. So when we think of thanksgiving, in spite of tribulation, Nikolai Moldovano comes to mind. He was called the Bach of Romania, Johann Sebastian Bach of Romania. In his lifetime, nicola Moldovano composed more than 6,000 hymns, hundreds of those, while suffering excruciating torture in the communist prison system of Romania. And Richard Wurmbrand writes about him and describes this incredible brother. And Richard Von Brandt said, Moldovano was one of the greatest saints I met in 14 years in prison. He came smiling from the torture room. His approach was like that of a lamb. While I was protesting against the God's abuses against others or myself, he never protested. Incredibly, the steadfast faith of Nicola Moldovano and his resistance to atheist indoctrination and resistance to communist torture and tribulation came through composing and singing great hymns of the faith. Now, when... When you shake hands with Moldovano, it was like shaking hands with eagle's talons. His hands were horribly disfigured, mangled, because the communist had broken every bone in both of his hands and his fingers um, so that he wouldn't be able to play the piano again. And yet he continued. He taught himself how to play the piano again even after having his fingers smashed by the communists under Ceausescu in in Romania. Well, Brother Moldovan is quite, quite an incredible character, Uh, He actually fought in the Second World War in the Romanian army on the Eastern Front. Uh, He uh, then also joined the Lord's Army, which is a reformed branch of the Greek Orthodox Church that emphasized the need of being born again, repentance, and a personal relationship with Christ. And uh, he began to publish musical compositions called The Villager's Light. And he survived the Second World War. He enriched the lives of fellow soldiers with great hymns of faith, and during the war he For a whole month, he sold his daily rations of milk and bread to afford to buy his first Bible. And when the communists took over Romania, they declared the Lord's army illegal. They arrested all of its leaders. And Nicola Moldovan continued to worship in secret. But by 1959, he was betrayed. He was arrested. He was sentenced to 12 years in prison. And on the day of his arrest, he whispered to his wife, Lena, Look at the skies. It'll be the only thing we can share while separated. And for many months, Nicola was not able to see the sky because he has incarcerated an underground cell. But when he has later moved to a cell that was above ground, it had a broken window, but in spite of bitter cold winter, uh, icy weather, he rejoiced that he could share the view of the same sky with his wife, Lena, many uh, miles away. Well, incredibly, uh, while he is being tortured, can you imagine the, the mental discipline of the man? Without pen or paper, without a Bible, without a music book, without a musical instrument, he composed hundreds of hymns and committed them to memory and put them to paper when he came out of prison. And if you go to any church in Romania today, the chants are you're going to be singing one of Brother Moldovan's hymns. They're the, they're the main uh, stay, the backbone, the majority of the hymn books in Romania. Nikola Moldovan, and he's an example of what it is to be prayerful, joyful, and thankful. 1 Thessalonians 5, verse 16 to 18 says, Be joyful always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. So plainly, it's God's will for us to be joyful, prayerful, thankful. And that's what many of these brethren behind the Iron Curtain uh, have evidenced, and the testimonies of these people who could survive so much persecution and resist so much indoctrination. And I believe that we can learn from the persecuted church through the ages, and particularly Eastern Europe during the Cold War, uh, what it is to be enjoying Thanksgiving in spite of tribulation. And Hebrews 13, 15 says, therefore by him let us continually offer the sacrifice of praise to God, that is the fruit of our lips giving thanks to his name. And so in a real way, Thanksgiving can be a sacrifice of praise. You can imagine it's one thing to sing God's praise when everything's going well for you, but to sing God's praises when you're being tortured, suffering, persecution—that is hard. And in our family, uh, we've just gone through, and are still going through, tremendous loss. Uh, that two weeks ago, my beloved wife Laura fought a final battle with pain, and she entered eternity. After a 11-year battle with cancer, she was most of the time in remission. But in the last year, she was in pretty constant pain. And, uh, and yet the incredible thing is when you look at Laura's life, you can see that she was able to be steadfast in suffering. And what makes a person able to withstand hard times? And how can you remain steadfast in spite of suffering? How can you be giving thanksgiving in a time of tribulation. How was it possible that someone like Nicola Maldivano could be singing God's praises while being tortured? How could Lenora evidence peace in the midst of pain? But Lenora, my wife, was an example of rejoicing in spite of suffering, victorious faith, overcoming faith, steadfast faith. And my wife Lenora was an example of excellence in hospitality, in service and creativity and industry at the service that we had in the Dutch form church in front of beautiful wood panel church on Monday we put many of the quilts out uh, just to show some of her creativity and and industry and these beautiful quilts and but even more beautiful is her four children have all excelled in so many different ways because of her home education uh, real diligence and the lives of so many people people came, with their paddles uh, from the dragon boating community, many of them reach for recovery people, people who've got a battle with cancer as well. And that in many cases, Lenora recruited into this dragon boating community to paddle for recovery, reach for recovery, and uh, to see these people who've been influenced, people from many backgrounds, people without religious background, people from new age background, people from atheistic background, but impacted by Lenora's testimony and several of them gave testimony at the memorial service that we held a week ago and at the funeral service uh, this Monday. And Lenora was a faithful friend, but she is grieved by betrayal and she's grieved by backstabbing from people that she poured heart and soul into helping. And um, Lenora was, in fact, a person who really prized loyalty and uh, therefore she despised. <laughs> Um, weakness. And she particularly disliked weak males, as she called it. And she said to me that I had to conduct a funeral service. And we had this conversation over a month ago, 18th of October, just come back from mission to the Transvaal. And she could tell that she is dying and we could see her body was wasting away. She is struggling and uh, couldn't even uh, a drink of water except with a straw. And then after a while, not even with a straw we need to bring water and syringes for her to drink. Uh, it, uh, sh- but she said to me, I must do her funeral. And I, I said, how can I conduct a funeral for my own wife? And she said, I don't want any spineless cowards from the pulpits of Cape Town to officiate at one of my services. And uh, uh, she was offended by cowardice and by compromise. And these ministers who would taken part in the masquerade madness and the lockdown lunacy and the... Uh, salvation by vaccination, COVID cult. She was a very uh, disgusted, disappointed, and uh, uh, really um, held in contempt uh, these ministers who could accept the government's designation that church services are non-essential activities. I mean, can you imagine ministers accepting that the Great Commission of Our Lord Jesus Christ is non-essential Abortion clinics, they're essential, they stay open. Casinos, they stay open, that's essential. But churches, they're non-essential according to the New World Disorder, the powers that should not be. And so uh, Lenora very much despised that. And so uh, she said that I had to take her service. And uh, she said, I do not want it to be a time of mourning, I want it to be a time of Thanksgiving because... It must be a time of celebrating my life, not mourning my death. She said, you know, I know where I'm going. I'm I'm not afraid to die. I know where I'm going. And she told this to many people, and especially the medical professionals she dealt with. And so um, when I considered that, what can you uh, say at a funeral of your wife who has died in such circumstances with Thanksgiving in the midst of tribulation? I found a passage, Romans 5, very helpful. Romans 5, starting in verse 1, Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom also we have access by faith into this grace in which we stand, and we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. And not only that, but we also glory in tribulations, knowing that tribulation produces perseverance, and perseverance, character, and character, hope. Now, hope does not disappoint, because the love of God has been poured out into our hearts by the Holy Spirit has been given to us. For when we were without strength, in due time, Christ died for the ungodly. For scarcely a righteous man will want die, yet perhaps for a good man someone would even dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love towards us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us, much more than having been justified by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath through him. So that's Romans 1 to nine. And this gives us an inkling, this gives us an understanding as to how Lenora was able to remain firm and faithful and fruitful in spite of fearful suffering, failing health and pain. She knew what it was to be justified by faith. She had peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ because suffering can produce perseverance. And perseverance can develop character, and character can produce hope. And it's obvious that the love of God was poured out into her heart by the Holy Spirit. Even when she is physically weak, she was spiritually and emotionally strong. And the secret of the Lord Lenora's steadfastness, despite suffering, was that she had a real, vibrant relationship with our Lord Jesus Christ, who transformed her life in the early 20s. Because in the Sermon on the Mount, the Lord Jesus speaks of two types of people, the wise and the foolish. They built on two different foundations, the wise man built on the rock and the foolish on the sand. And he describes two buildings, which may outwardly not appear too different. But when the rain fell, when the wind blew, when the floods rise, when the storm rages, then the house that's built on sand will collapse. But the house built on the rock will stand firm. And during recent months and years, Lenora was steadfast in the storm caused by cancer she not only survived 11 years, she thrived, and she is enthusiastic. She is elegant and eloquent. She has an encouragement of her friends and a family around her. In the Sermon on the Mount, our Lord speaks of two roads, the broad road which is smooth, safe, easy, and popular, and the narrow road which is narrow, steep, rocky, and difficult. Now, we know that even a dead fish can float downstream, but it takes courage and tenacity and strength to go upstream, to go against the flow. Lenora chose the narrow, steep, rocky, difficult road because the broad road leads to destruction and the narrow road leads to life eternal. They're ultimately two destinations and Lenora could say, I know where I'm going, but I wonder how many other people know where they were going. In the Sermon amount, we read of two different types of trees, the good tree and the bad tree. And you can discern a tree by its fruit, just like you can discern a person's faith and their character from their life's fruit. And the fruit of Lenora's life was good because her roots were firmly in the word of God, the Bible, the rock of God's word. She knew what she believed. She knew why she believed it. She knew who she was trusting. And therefore, she could be firm, faithful and fruitful. Lenora often spoke about the fair weather paddlers. There's some people who only turn out uh, to paddle in the harbor uh, when it's sun shining and nice warm weather. But... There's much less people who will turn up in the cold, rainy and stormy weather days. Well, whether it was hiking, running, paddling, our families also believe always believed that we don't cancel an event because of bad weather. And so Lenora was not a fair weather paddler. She seized the day. In Latin classes in Rhodesia, we learned carpe diem, uh, seize the day. And and that's the thing. We, we need to make things happen. And my wife was someone who... who did not take life for granted. She sought to make the most of opportunities and seize the day. And it's so important for us to recognize that God has created us for eternity. And uh, this world is not a home. We are on a pilgrim's journey. And so it's so important for us to know what we believe in, to be steadfast in the storm, to be faithful, fruitful, and to be firm uh, no matter what tribulations are going on in the world. We're living in a time of madness, a time of insanity, a time of of this COVID cult salvation by vaccination, the new world disorders going berserk. They're trying to force vaccinations on people. We've got to resist with everything that we're worth. An amount of intimidation. Now, you know, my wife gave her kidney to our son, who was suffering renal failure. Uh, he was born with less than a quarter of one kidney. And uh, uh, he, he survived in it for a few years, but ultimately needed a transplant. And while I was... Uh, the first in line uh, doing all the blood tests and everything, see if I was a good match. They excluded me because my cholesterol and presumably bilhazio, malaria, and all the other exotic diseases I've had over the years. But uh, Lenora's kidney was deemed an ideal fit. And so she gave her kidney to our son in 2009. And he's since then managed to get his black belt karate, second dan, national colors, represent the country overseas, uh, brought back medals to South Africa from international events. He's represented South African Germany and Switzerland and America and uh, excelled in, in a very demanding sport. Uh, and you think all that on his mother's kidney, as we said to him. Remember, you've got a 61-year-old kidney in, in you. And uh, it's uh, it's an extraordinary thing for a mother to not only give life to a child but then to enable him to to survive by donating one of her organs, and my wife treated all these challenges, including having cancer, as an opportunity to to really uh, minister to people with cancer. She joined Reach for Recovery. She got involved in dragon boating for the last ten years enthusiastically, getting people who are fighting cancer into a sport that would help build up upper body strength and and make them uh, fitter and more able to be able to. Uh, resist also, or survive and recover from, from cancer. And in all of these different opportunities, she did not complain. It's, it's an amazing thing. You get some people who've got everything going their way and they're full of complaints. And then you have others where they seem to be suffering a lot, like Brother Nicola Maldivano or Richard vonbra And they don't complain. And you you wonder why that is. <laughs> why does that? some people uh, complain Uh, and others uh, rejoice and give thanksgiving. And it's so important. Attitude is everything. Our attitude determines uh, so much. And I do believe that it's vital that we continually think of being not just survivors but thrivers, not just to to manage but to overcome, to be victorious. And that's what we call to as Christians. And I think this wonderful holiday principle of having uh, Thanksgiving is magnificent, and we certainly need to uh, celebrate Thanksgiving regularly. We should enter His gates with Thanksgiving. We read in Psalm one hundred, and so in this time when we have got so many people whinging and complaining, it's wonderful for us to to look at the history of Thanksgiving and to consider our responsibility to be people of Thanksgiving. You know, Fanny. Crosby, one of the greatest hymn writers of all time, she wrote over 8,000 hymns and gospel songs. Do you know that um, Fanny Crosby, who wrote such famous uh, songs as Pass Me Not O Gentle Saviour, Blessed Assurance, To God Be the Glory, Praise and Praise and Rescue the Perishing," and many other hymns. Um, uh, uh, Fanny Crosby was blind. Uh, she was blind for uh, the whole time that she was actually... Uh, composing these hymns. So here's somebody composed 8,000 hymns despite being blind. Uh, just incredible. 100 million copies of her hymns were printed in her own lifetime. Uh, she is born in 1820 of Puritan ancestry, a descendant of some of the settlers who came on the Mayflower in 1620. So absolutely amazing, uh, despite the fact that she was made blind due to a medical mistake. They used mustard treatment to on the inflammation of her eyelids, and this led to damaging optic nerves and lifelong blindness for her. And despite that, she could produce these wonderful hymns like, this is my story, this is my song, praising my savior all the day long. So certainly, life is only about 10% what happens to you, and 90% how you respond to it. It's vital for us to have an attitude of gratitude, to cultivate an attitude of gratitude, Civilization is built on gratitude to God and recognition of our debts to previous generations. Notice how the present society, this new world disorder, the COVID cults, this cancel culture, mass grade madness crowd, what are they trying to do? Pull down the statues of people who built up civilization, burn the books that helped build our civilization, change the curriculums and schools that had actually built people who for generations had sacrificed and built up the civilization. They not only wanna bring our civilization down, they wanna destroy our culture, they wanna destroy our religion, they wanna destroy our faith, wanna destroy our self-confidence, our confidence in God, everything like that. Civilization is built upon appreciation of what previous generations have built up. Cancel culture is the direct opposite and enemy of all that. Professor Martin Luther said, there's no love so sacrificial, so unselfish as that of a parent. And it's so important for us to appreciate what our parents and our grandparents have sacrificed for us. We have a great debt to great reformers like Professor Martin Luther for championing the great principles of freedom of conscience, freedom of worship, freedom of thought, calling us back to the Bible as the solid foundation for all truth and education. Scripture alone is the ultimate authority. We've got so much to be grateful for. You just think of the English Bible Do you know William Tyndale gave his life, that we could have the Bible available in our own language? The Bible in English was illegal in England in the 1600s. William Tyndale had to go to Germany to get the Bible translated into English and to be printed. And he had to have them smuggled from the Netherlands in bales of cotton into England. And the first shipment of several thousand New Testaments were intercepted by the Bishop of London and burned. Burned at St. Paul's in many cases. And William Tyndale ultimately gave his life, burned at the stake, so that we could have the Bible freely available in our own languages. The people of India have a tremendous debt of gratitude to missionary William Carey, who ended widow burning and the burning of lepers and the sacrifice of infants. And he pioneered the first schools for girls, the first Christian college in Asia. He translated the Bible and New Testament into 35 languages. It's just extraordinary that all done by William Carey in India. All of us are deeply indebted to missionary explorer Dr. David Livingston from Scotland who opened up Africa for the gospel, exposed the rampant Islamic slave trade, campaigned to end it. All Nigerians need to be grateful to the missionary Mary Slisser, also from Scotland, for campaigning tirelessly to end the killing of twins, campaigning against the slave trade, against cannibalism, against drunkenness, She pioneered Christian schools. She planted churches throughout the remotest regions of Nigeria. Or what about Member of Parliament, William Wilberforce? We should all be grateful to William Wilberforce for his lifelong crusade to end the slave trade, to set the captives free. And many of our lives have been enriched by the devotional writings of Charles Burgeon or Andrew Murray and, and the biblical preaching that they gave. There's so many inventors and innovators whose life's work have made our lives richer and healthier, there's a lot for us to be grateful for. And I just praise God for people who have been faithful, people who have been fervent, who've been fruitful, who've been firm, who've been giving thanks in the midst of tribulation. But all too many of our people in our society are greedy, demanding, and ungrateful. All too many people are consumed by the obnoxious habit of demanding, give me, you must give me. Often I hear, especially here in Africa, what Christmas do you have for me? As though Christmas is all about what others can give me rather than what I can give. First and foremost, I should be giving unto the Lord. We need to ask people, do you remember whose birthday we're celebrating as we approach Christmas? Um, And we should then honor this great gift that God gave us. But all too many people are greedy, demanding, ungrateful, entitled, self-centered, and miserable. And in Leo Tolstoy's classic War and Peace novel, one of the most prominent characters, Platon Karatov, is a joyful Russian peasant who's always giving thanks to God, praying, sharing what little he has with a stray dog and with fellow prisoners around him. Leo Tolstoy stated that he based this character, Platon Karatov, on a poor but joyful peasant he met, and it occurred to him that this man, who had so little, was far happier and more joyful and more at peace than all the rich men that he knew. It's definitely more blessed to give than to receive. And Leo Tolstoy's classic war and peace really has some magnificent insights. I praise God for my times under fire, under aerial and artillery bombardments, in prison, under intense interrogation, in communist prisons. There is not a day that goes by that I'm not grateful for freedom, for health, for clean water, for clean sheets and pillowcases, for soap for the freedom to move and see God's magnificent creation, to climb Table Mountain, and so many other blessings, which I was deprived of and which I prayed for when I was in chains and in prison cells. What does God have to do to get your attention? And it's, uh, it, it reminds me of a typically blasphemous Hollywood uh, TV series that scripted a line where after the wife had given thanks for the food, the husband declared, why give thanks to God? I'm the one who worked and paid for the food, and you're the one who cooked it. So thanks for nothing, God. Now, such a foolish, blasphemous, short-sighted, willful blindness, which is typical of the synagogue of Satan, it's sadly fairly common today as well, probably because people have imbibed this antichrist ideology and this sick, perverse mentality and this blasphemous attitude that's often portrayed on the screens by Hollywood Behind the retailer is the wholesaler and the transporter, who, whether by train or, or vehicle, the farmer, the soil, the sun, the rain, and behind all is the hand of God. We should also give God for our life and our health that enables us to work and to contribute to the needs of others while also being able to meet our own family's needs. Oh, that men would give thanks to the Lord for his goodness and for his wonderful works to the children of men. And so the scriptures have many commands for us to, to give thanks to the Lord. Ambrose said, no duty is more urgent than that of returning thanks. C.H. Burton said, it ought to be as habitual for us to thank as to ask. A thankful heart is the parent of all virtues, but it is also true that a lack of gratitude is a root sin. Romans 1 we read, the wrath of God, the anger of God is being revealed from heaven against all godlessness and wickedness of men. Who suppressed the truth by their wickedness. For although they knew God, they neither glorified Him as God, nor did they give thanks to Him. But their thinking became futile, and their foolish hearts were darkened. So here we see that failure to give thanks to God is the root sin that leads to futile thinking, foolish, darkened hearts. In Luke 17, we read of the ten lepers who were healed by the Lord Jesus. When one of them, a Samaritan, threw himself at Jesus' feet and thanked Him, Our Lord asked, were not all 10 cleansed? Where then are the other nine? Was no one found to return and give thanks to God except us, foreigner? Well, in our missions experience, we've also found that barely 10% of those we help or sponsor will ever bother to express their gratitude, either verbally or in a letter or card. Evidently, gratitude is a rarity. In 1 Timothy 3, The Apostle Paul gives a list of some of the most terrible sins, including people will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boastful, proud, abusive, disobedient to parents, ungrateful, unholy, without love, unforgiving, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not lovers of good, traitorous, rash, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying its real power. So here in 1 Timothy 3, ungratefulness is listed in the middle of a litany of horrible sins. One of the first lessons a good parent seeks to teach their children to say is, thank you. It takes courage and character to admit being in debt to others. It is humbling. However, those who cannot admit the indebtedness to others cannot learn, nor can they seek forgiveness. We're living in a very ungrateful age, an entitled age, an age where people think nothing of pulling down monuments to people they know absolutely nothing about. Failure to express gratitude is more than immaturity. It's more than rudeness. It's ungodly. It's evil. We're commanded to honor our parents, to honor our elders, to honor our leaders, and it's a sign of maturity to acknowledge indebtedness. That's why Thanksgiving is a great tradition. It's one of the best things America has to offer in their calendar and I think every country should have a a day of thanksgiving, to give thanks to God particularly and to give thanks to God for those who have made our lives better, safer. And anyone who's learned anything is in debt to someone. We're all in debt first and foremost to God Himself for our life, our health, our food, our talents, our family and and to the missionaries and soldiers and parents and teachers and pastors and so many others who've sacrificed for our benefit. Those who do not take advice are those who do not think they have anything to learn. And those are often the same people who have a problem expressing a genuine, heartfelt gratitude to others. It's a sign of pride to be ungrateful. It reveals an unwillingness to acknowledge a debt to others. It's also been said that a clear conscience is normally a sign of a bad memory because the amount of people you ask, would you consider yourself to be a good person? The average person would say, yes, I'm a very good person. And it's interesting because our Lord Jesus said, no one is good except God alone. And so when somebody tells you that they're good or they're a good person, you need to say, but didn't our Lord Jesus Christ say, no one is good except God alone? And then you've introduced the depravity of man and the holiness of God and um open the way for discussing eternity. So instead of the Christian attitude of gratitude, the Christian culture and character of gratitude, a present culture prefers to promote an attitude of entitlement. This is the very opposite of gratitude. You'll notice so many refugees and immigrants come with a sense of entitlement, give me. Well, this builds on pride and covetousness and is often fueled by bitterness, greed and envy all too many in this present humanistic society take things for granted. They demand to get rather than seeking to give. Western civilization was not built up by sense of entitlement. It was built up by gratitude and sacrifice and service and love for others. One man gives freely yet gains even more. Another withholds unduly and comes to poverty. And so as Professor Martin Luther observed, We tend to exhibit a degree of thankfulness in life in reverse proportion to the amount of blessings we've received. And so in table talk, Martin Luther said, the greater God's gifts and works, the less they appreciate it. So the blessings of life and health and freedom and food, they're not really appreciated unless they're lost or threatened. And because sunrises and sunsets occur every day, they're taken for granted. Ralph Waldo Emerson observed, if the constellations of stars appeared only once in a thousand years, imagine what an exciting event it would be. But because they're there every night, most barely give them a look. In the same way, the blessings of rain are barely appreciated unless you've been through a drought. Now, I've been in the desert. I've been up in 1040 window close to the I've been in Nuba Mountains where water holes are really appreciated and you don't mind having mud to drink because water so scarce. A hungry man is more thankful for a morsel than a rich man for a heavily laden table. A lonely woman in a nursing home or retirement home will appreciate a visit much more than a popular person having a party thrown in honour. A Christian who suffered under persecution for decades and receives his first copy of the Holy Scriptures will be far more grateful for this one book than we are for all the books and Bible translations and magazines that overflow our shelves. There are at least 138 passages of scripture that deal with the subject of thanksgiving. We are to enter his gates of thanksgiving, and His courts of praise, we are to give thanks to him and to praise his name. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body we are called to peace, and be thankful, read in Colossians 3.15. Philippians 4, we read, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God and the peace of God which passes all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. We need to have an attitude of gratitude. A thankful heart is a grateful heart, a great heart. A grateful mind is a great mind. And so I think there's this wonderful song, you've probably heard it, count your blessings, name them one by one. Well, I've heard an improvement, count your blessings, name them two by two. Count your blessings, name them four by four count your blessings, name them by the score, and it will surprise you. But there's millions more. I've heard another variation say, count your obligations, name them one by one, and it will surprise you what the Lord wants done. So we're living in an age of entitlement. We're living in an age of arrogance. But what we sow is what we reap. The ungrateful and the ungodly will reap ruin. Zimbabwe is a vivid example of the national destruction that an arrogant and deceitful attitude can cause. The roads must fall, fees must fall, signs must fall, and the BLM, burn, loot, murder crowds, and other mobs of agitators. They're evidencing evil hearts and foolish minds, which can be so dismissive of the great heritage and the many benefits they've received from those they so ignorantly dismiss, slander, and attack. High education is not a right, it's a privilege. And those who show no respect for the lives and property of others forfeit their own rights. Civilization requires respect for life and property, but those who riot and burn and disrupt and destroy, they've got no place in civilized society. They're like a cancer. I've learned something about cancer. My wife's fought cancer for the last 11 years. A cancer is something in your body that contributes nothing to the health of the body, but it only breaks it down. And the thing about cancer is it grows and it multiplies. and it. As I point out in South Africa, the middle letters of cancer is ANC, the letters for our ruling party, the African National Congress. And so when I write about our government, I use a small C and then a capital ANC, then a small ER, referring to the cancer government, because cancer describes so many politicians. They are like blood-sucking parasites, like ticks, which produce nothing good. They only leave infection and festering wounds and they suck the blood out of their poor victims. And so poly-ticks, politics, poly-many-ticks, blood-sucking-parasites, Politics, many many-blood-sucking-parasites. Many Unfortunately, we are living an age where the politicians are not serving the communities. Jesus said that we should not be like the pagans who call themselves benefactors. No, the greatest should be the servant and uh, like the least, like the youngest. And that's why we use the word minister. It comes from the word in Revelation and in Romans, of deacon, a deacon of God. And that's why you have a prime minister, a first servant, and a cabinet minister, a cabinet servant. And cabinet ministers used to sign their letters, your humble servant. I've got some of those on file. Uh, I don't know when last cabinet ministers truly had an attitude of humility or service. uh, But nevertheless, that's the biblical pattern that came from our Lord. We're meant to be serving others. But... What we see with cancer is cancer contributes nothing to the good of the body, and it just it breaks down, and it corrupts, and it destroys. And that's what I think we see in so many lives. And, and the worst cancer in many ways is ungratefulness, lack of gratitude. What we need is to root out the cancer, and we need to put in its place an attitude of gratitude. We need to be joyful. We need to be prayerful. We need to be thankful. Praise God for thanksgiving what a great institution what a great privilege what a privilege we have to give thanks to god for such a lot of great achievements by previous generations and to appreciate the people around us thank you back to you andrew
0: thank you peter and um it's very important so much of what peter said there but one thing that there's going to be many people listening they are going to be uh, ungrateful they are going to say look what's going on in the world today I mean we're we're being forced uh, in many cases to take you know a vaccine that uh, has killed many many people and injured many many more people you know where is God today and that is why a lot of people you know do not have a belief or a faith uh, because the what you're sort of told in the mainstream is oh well you know if god existed he wouldn't allow this evil in the world well the best thing to do you see is you hear these things but if you don't read them then you don't know if they're actually true it's just one of those things that people you know tend to believe without having read the bible Um but you have laws in the bible and i want to read This uh, from Deuteronomy um, chapter 28. We're going to go through verses 12 through 15. And this might give you an idea of why it feels that many of us are abandoned today with what's going on in our countries. Um, The Lord shall open unto thee his good treasure, the heaven to give the rain unto the land in his season, and to bless all the work of thine hand, and thou shalt lend unto many nations and thou shalt not borrow so you'll be the lender not the borrower and the lord shall make thee the head and not the tail and thou shalt be above only and thou shalt not be beneath if that thou hearken under the command unto the commandments, sorry of the lord thy god which i command thee this day to observe and to do them and thou shalt not go aside from any of the words which i command thee this day To the right hand or to the left or to go after other gods to serve them. Now get this, that makes it very clear. You're going to get God's protection if you follow God's laws. But it shall come to pass, if thou wilt not hearken unto the voice of the Lord thy God, to observe to do all his commandments and his statutes which I command thee this day, that all these curses shall come upon thee and overtake thee. And before I hand back to Peter, I just want to say this as well. Hosea 4.6, chapter 4, verse 6. My people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. Because thou hast rejected knowledge, I will also reject thee, that thou shalt be no priest to me. Seeing thou hast forgotten the law of thy God, I will also forget thy children so that is why we are where we are today it's very frustrating for many of us who do our best to follow the laws of god uh, but unfortunately as peter said so many times times god judges nations and that is why it's so important to do what we're doing to spread the message i firmly believe that we are in such dire straits now uh, obviously not just financially but in every way of life the immorality and what have you just the, the whole thing i mean it's amazing but i think that only divine intervention is going to help us but if not enough people pray for that intervention then that intervention's not going to come and that means that uh, you know the ones of us who are trying to follow the laws of god are going to suffer the sins of the others so peter please your comments on that
1: this is so important the point that you're making here andrew because we judged in eternity as individuals in eternity, we will have to stand on our own merits and demerits and on our faith and whether we have surrendered lives to Christ and trusting in his merits or on our own. But on earth, we are judged as nations. And now you could be a wicked person living in a generally righteous society and benefit from all the blessings that came from their righteousness, even though we personally may be in a wrong relationship with God and having no peace with God. So, for example... We have all benefited from previous generations' obedience. We've got these magnificent cathedrals. We've got magnificent achievements in science and technology, uh, which previous generations have produced. And so we're benefiting from the faithfulness of others. But if you look at, at flowers, for example, cut roses, they look very nice for a while, but they fade quickly because they cut off from the source of their life. And I think a lot in our society today is like, Those cut flowers that we may have in a display on the table or mantelpiece, which looks beautiful for a while, but it will fade because it no longer is connected to its life source. Now, the phenomenal productivity, freedoms and achievements of Western Christian civilization is a direct result of the Christian faith. And it's because the teachings of Christ, the example of Christ, the followers of Christ implementing principles that he taught in the Bible that brought about the greatest faith freedom productivity and innovations in the history of the world as evidenced by europe and other parts of western civilization but as our society and our people have wandered away from god and turned our back on god and tolerated immorality perversion killing of babies through abortion and other great wickedness redefining of marriage and so many evils on the go such as during this lockdown lunacy where Governments could say that churches are non-essential, while abortion clinics are essential, that casinos uh, are essential, they can stay open, but uh, the churches cannot um, have more than 50 people and all sorts of insane, ridiculous things going on there. This is the sign of a society that's an apostasy. And the fact that the bulk of ministers and churches and denominations around the world have gone along with this COVID cult, lockdown lunacy, uh, and in many cases have never even protested the use of their taxpayers' money in killing babies. The scripture is clear in Numbers 35 that when innocent blood is shed, a curse comes over the land, and there is no sacrifice that can be made to take away the guilt of innocent blood except by the blood of the one who shed it, which is why we meant to have capital punishment for murder, because our society comes under a curse when we tolerate murder. Now, how many millions of babies have been murdered in Great Britain or in the United States of America? Or in Western Europe, as a result of abortion, how can we expect God to bless our countries while we violate His laws? Legalize blasphemy. I mean, isn't it amazing? You, you can—they can try and have laws against hate speech. They can try and have laws against slander and libel. But blasphemy—no, blasphemy is legal. That—that—that's fine. You know, you can say what you want against God, and His Word, and His Son. But you—you're not allowed to infringe on my personal rights and liberties. What a hideous! selfish, short-sighted, man-centered mentality. There's so much in our society that is wrong, and all you've got to do is look at the 10 Commandments and evaluate your own life and the life of our society in the light of each of the 10 Commandments to realize God owes us nothing except eternal damnation and hell. And salvation is a free gift of God by his grace, but it's not something we deserve. It's by the merits of Christ alone. So, Many people who say this isn't fair, this isn't right, how can God allow it? Well, you know, God has been awfully patient with us, unbelievably long-suffering in enduring the abuses from Western civilization. And the fact that our societies still have a a measure of some freedoms and some opportunities um, is only God's grace because we can just see where all this can go. But for the grace of God, where would we be? And And for those who don't know how bad it can get, well, just study the persecuted church, read Tortured for Christ, study up in life of Richard von Brandt, learn more about Nicola Maldivano, and learn what happened during the terrible times of Soviet persecution of Christians. Read the Black Book of Communism. I wonder that God has not poured out his wrath upon the whole world because of the evils done uh, not only by people who hate God, but even the compromises and the cowardice by people who claim to serve God and claim to be his ministers. So... Uh, yes, we should take a comfort at this time that that while what is going on our society, a lot of it's evil, if we are right with God, if we have peace with God, if we are seeking to be faithful to God, if we are standing for the truth and we know the truth sets you free, and as we are involved in seeking to be a faithful witness to God, then we can rejoice even in the midst of tribulation because of the fact that we know that the day is coming when God will put all things right. Our Lord Jesus will return to this earth. He will judge the wicked. He will judge the living and the dead. He will reward the faithful. He will ensure that those who seem to have escaped justice on earth will not escape justice in eternity. God is the eternal judge. He's the creator, and he's the eternal judge. He's the Elf and family meager. So uh, in this terrible time, uh, I can say the reason why my wife could die in peace and joy and literally rejoicing despite incredible pain is because she knew her Redeemer. She, she could say along with Job, I know that my Redeemer lives and he shall stand on the earth in the latter day. And she knew without a shadow of a doubt, Jesus Christ is the resurrection and life. And so even in the midst of great injustice on earth, and you, know, you may look at this, and I, I said at one point to Laura, it just seems so unfair that you are suffering this cancer. And she said, why not me? that this is part of the curse of sin that has come on the world because of Adam. Cancer is not part of God's original plan, but why should I be exempt? I'm just a wicked sinner like anyone else, just saved by the grace of God. And she was able to look at this and say, well, it's not uh, why me, why not me? Uh, we, we're all part of the human race. We're all part of a, a world that's in rebellion to God. And while there are in our mindset there are good people who suffer bad things. But there's another way of looking at it. When somebody asked R.C. Sproul, the theologian, why do bad things happen to good people? His answer was, well, there was only one, and he volunteered. Now that's actually quite true. Only Jesus Christ is good, and only Jesus Christ has been truly holy and innocent. When we speak of a person being good and innocent, we we speak in a very much uh, relative sense. Because, yes, there are innocent people in the world from a judicial point of view. But but in in the light of the creator, the eternal judge, none of us are innocent or good, really. And so uh, quite right for us to ask the question, why do so many good things happen to bad people? Why do I get far better than I deserve? So it's a different mindset. But I think it helps us to have balance when we recognize, as an individual, I'm judged in eternity. But as a nation, we judge on earth. We need to be salt and light. We need to do what we can to bring our societies back to God, to work for reformation, to work for revival, to pray for God's intervention. And we need God's divine intervention because I'm afraid that humanity as a whole has made a colossal mess. And we can see the new world order. We can see what came out of the bad war. We can see what came out of the United Nations. And by the way, this is a subject for another uh, ACH program, The World Health Organization is the very first organization launched from the United Nations. It was launched right back in 1946. al the communist agent who was the first general secretary of the UN, personally launched it after failing to get the members to vote for it. He just decided to get it launched without uh, a vote from the member bodies. And the World Health Organization's first task already from 1946 was vaccinations. Mm -hmm. So interesting that right from the beginning, the communists started the United Nations, started the World Health Organization as one of the key tools for controlling people. We just need to recognize the evil in this world, and the price of liberty is eternal vigilance, and we haven't always been vigilant. And the truth sets us free, but many people have not welcomed the truth. As you read earlier from the scripture, many have rejected the truth and have not welcomed the truth, so as we say, and so a strong delusion has been sent upon them. We're not Automatons, we're not robots. We have choice. We have responsibility. And so man may complain, how can all these things happen to us? But you know, when God shows us the full picture, we will be amazed at how patient and gracious he was with us and how many opportunities he gave us to repent. But in the meantime, we're involved in a world war of worldviews. We're involved in a clash of civilizations, a tremendous conflict. We meant to fight we meant to fight for faith and freedom, for life and liberty. It's never been so urgent. What a privilege to live in these difficult days that we can be faithful to God in the midst of this time of apostasy, compromise and cowardice, and to make a stand knowing that truth is more powerful than lies and error, knowing that facts don't fear investigation, knowing that light is more powerful than darkness. So, yes, I think that many of us may sometimes feel sorry for ourselves but then we get a better perspective from those who know about suffering and tribulation even more than we do and realize, you know, God is going to put all things right. And there's an enormous satisfaction knowing that you're on the winning side and that Jesus Christ is going to come again. He's going to judge the living and dead. Back to you, Andrew.
0: Thank you so much, Peter. And uh, before we go, could you please let the audience know where they can find
1: your work and how they can contact you? Certainly. My personal email is peter at ZA, P. and our website, www.frontlinemissionsa.org. Frontline Mission, SA, SA short for South Africa. So, Frontline Mission, is our website. You'll find a lot of the videos, audios, um, PowerPoints that we're uploading, including on the Rhodesia Remembrance Days and the, courage in the face of, of crisis um, which we were giving for 11th of November all the way through to uh, the funeral and memorial service for Nora Hammond these are inspiring presentations and uh, if anyone wants to check them out go on to frontlinemissionsa.org and look for the audio and video links and you can contact me peter at frontline.org.ca thank you Andrew
0: thank you so much Peter Fantastic information as always. Uh, Peter and I will be back with you again at the same time next week. You have been listening to the real story of Thanksgiving despite tribulation. I want to thank all of you for listening. I'll be back with you tomorrow. Until then, happy Thanksgiving and bye for now.